The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Good evening, Mike, and thank you. Three long weeks away. Yeah, and I have no idea what the hell happened because uh, apparently hockey is not uh, as once believed. Hockey is not the number one sport in England. How does that happen? I, you know, I I could I think you might be wrong there. Maybe there was just a media blackout. Well, they were trying to control hockey hooliganism. The back page uh, is full of nothing but cricket and, and football, or what we call soccer. Well, uh, that's the thing. They were they were deliberately downplaying hockey to to uh, control hockey hooliganism because if there's anything that the UK is known for, it's hockey hooliganism. It, well, it's certainly not known for having players drafted into the NHL, anyway. Yeah, it, it, not much of a consideration over there, so. Basically, I've been living on on living off my Twitter feed, which still was full of more bots than anything else, which explains why Elon Musk didn't want to buy it. But that's a full another story, another show. Uh, So that would be a completely different podcast. Well, that, too. Yeah. So basically, I've been. No, go ahead. No, no, no. If we wanted to do an entire tech world or newsy podcast uh it would have to be explicitly rated because i would do a whole lot of swearing like you're one of the people who understands what i mean when i say a whole lot of swearing yes because i swear a lot when i'm not recording this show in the first place (laughs) (sighs) and on on and and of course my interest lies in how the hell we ended up with P.K. Subban on a professional tryout, but I suppose that's... Uh, I'm surprised by it. I know, I, know that it's, I know that it's not a topic for the show, but I had to ask because I it's one of the few things that kind of crept into my range of vision while I was not in the States. I'm not surprised by it because... <laughs> seems to be a tradition for the Bruins to go after aging players, aging superstars <laughs> when they're in, when they're literally on the 18th hole of their career. I'm thinking, I'm thinking 19th Possibly hole. On the approach to the clubhouse. I'm thinking 19th hole and heading to the bar for a happy hour, but okay. I mean, it, I mean, you go back and you look at uh, Coffee when he was here briefly. He was not himself. He he spent he spent more than a cup of uh, oh wait cup of coffee. He spent more than a cup of coffee here with the Bruins. Oh no pun intended. Um, you look at there there have been a couple of other older defensemen who have come through town, and even some older forwards. I mean. Don Sweeney, the first three years of his career, kept resigning a guy who couldn't make the NHL just in time for the just in time for the playoffs, and it was like, really? Did they sign for? Did they sign him or trade for him? Uh, the first time they traded for him, and then they signed him, and yes, it was, 
but when you're at least Dempniak, you can always, you know, that you always have a fallback. Like that, <laughs> that legitimately should have sent warning signs through ownership's entire body. The Lee Stepniak experiment and experiment and experiment and experiment and experiment. Yeah. Yet, amazingly enough, there are actually two. And, and I know it's buried deep in, in a different story that I po- that I picked to talk about. But there are actually two players who kind of fit that description who actually aren't signed to are aging players, but potentially done players. Uh, but they're second, second and third on the games played list, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, some guy named Thornton and another one named Chara. You know, it, mm, I don't see Chara coming back. Um. Well, like I said, don't need to talk about it. I just wanted to mention that there actually are some names out there. Because it could be interesting. Thornton could pull one of those second-half type type seasons. Doesn't come back until after the All-Star break. I could see yeah. Thornton doing that. I think on the defense, it's a little bit more difficult. And as much as Chara his size can be a game changer. I think the fact that he has slowed down as strong as he is, the fact that he has slowed down, I think is going to hamper him. And on the blue line, unfortunately in today's hockey, today's NHL, you need to be faster. And I don't know that he can, Oh, I'm going to, they're going to hate me. They're going to hate me for saying this, but he's slow. He just can't keep up. Physically, he has the tools, but he just speed-wise, he just doesn't have it anymore. Well, they used to say that he was slow back five years into his career. I still remember the time he chased down uh, Kobolchuk for, uh and managed to make a, a great defensive play on him. And Kobolchuk was never accused of being slow. True. But what do we have for this week's show? For is it this it? week's show, um, what, given the date and all of the uh, negativity surrounded with today's date, um, mm-hmm. actually, the two players that you're talking about are sixth. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Games played. Games played. It's in a it, it it's in a story that we're going to talk about later. One that uh, okay. regarding youth, and it's funny that it's like regarding youth because. Um. Let's see. Why don't we just actually start fresh out the gate with the story that I think is interesting. Uh, I think the. Assembly of logic holds together as long as you only look at the assembly and not, you know, reality. Mm-hmm. Um, NBC's power rankings came out uh, for the Eastern Conference. <laughs> they rank all <sighs> 16 teams. Okay. And just looking at the teams, like, forget the top of the order. 
because that's fairly hard to screw up, although they did. Um, looking at the bottom of the order, the fact that you have the Philadelphia Flyers as the worst in the league when they now have one of the half dozen best coaches in the game today. Uh, okay. It, it's kind of hard to make that argument, especially when you consider that the Montreal Canadiens have an everything new, including a first-time NHL coach, not even just NHL head coach. He's never been, even been an assistant in the NHL. Um, that's not true. He coached that. He coached the end of last season. That's not the same as taking a team <laughs> through training camp and a full yes, season. It's just not. I understand. You took over somebody else's product, but now it's his product. They lost Ben Charrett to Detroit. Um, that team is oddly enough, and it's one another one of the stories we you know. So we'll touch. I throw it in right now. Is that they actually in talks to to extend Jake Allen because apparently Carey Price is going on LTIR again. 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 Uh, I'm thinking. At this point, if he's on LTIR again, again, I don't know that he's ever coming off of LTIR or coming back. Yeah, I, I think that it and may that's be terrifying I, if you're a, if you're a Habs fan because he's got that ten million dollar contract that runs roughly through the heat death of the universe. Yes. So you're extending Jake Allen. You've got uh, out of the universe. I do mean only three more seasons, but you've got some really yeah, but young at, at talent. 10 mil a year. Yeah. Mm. And you've got some really young talent. You're not going to be able to build as well around because of that. You got one of my faves in, in Caden Primo up there. You got who, Cole Caulfield. Um, oh, oh, it's forwards. I was just talking goaltenders. Uh, you've got Nick Suzuki. Yeah. Um, you've got, on the back end there, you've got Michael Matheson. You've got. Um, but they, they traded away a good young defenseman in Romanov, which I think was a mistake. They brought in one of the most intriguing moves of the offseason in Kirby Doc. Who got ex- who got a contract, by the way, four years, uh, like 15 mil, somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah. His, no, Kirby Doc, his is like 3.3 and change over the next four years. Yeah, so, thir- oh, I'm sorry, 13 and a half. I said 15. I was a little off. Okay. A little bit. I haven't been around. It was a shot in the dark. Uh, but yeah. Pre-training camp, your captain's practice. Yes. 3.3. I mean, it, it, not a huge, not a huge, I mean, it's a huge pay raise for him. But, but that's not, a big pressure contract for him. Not a huge dollar amount. We're not talking like they've saddled the team with some ten million dollar a year. Oh wait, that was Carey Price. Um. <laughs> but seriously, that's a no pressure contract for him. If nope. he comes in and does basically what he's done most of his career, eh, not t- not terrible. It's more than you really want to pay a guy producing a third line money. But it's. But it's not a contract that's going to be a resume-generating event for Kent Hughes either. No. I mean, at 4.1% of the current cap, 
pay cap that's expected to go up in two years. And so it'll probably be, what, 3.5%, maybe 3.8% of the con, depending on what happens this season and next season. Mm-hmm. No one's even go- no one pays attention to any contract that's under like seven or eight percent of the cap. He's already well under that. So when I call this a no pressure contract, I mean, yes, you have the pressure to perform. Yeah, he's he needs to do more, but he's 21. He's literally just hitting pure like hitting the hitting mental maturity. Physically, he should have stopped growing. Uh, or most of his growth should be over and is just bulking up. Let the kid play. Um, and there's not going to be... It, it's not like the depth chart in front of him is super deep. So he should be getting, you know, 16, 17 minutes a night. Um, if if uh, Marty St. Louis goes out there and plays his top two lines, you know, 17, 18 minutes each... Um, that's, that's taking up a lot of ice time and you let the other four, uh, you let the other two lines split the rest of the minutes and. Now, speaking of, speaking of Caden Primo, he actually also got an extension, although it's not much of a, it's basically another entry level. It doesn't specify whether it's a, a, a two way deal or, or not, but I'm, I'm assuming and, and, and doesn't say yeah I'm, maybe it's a one way cuz the miners the miners sa- the miners salary is the same as base salary so i think if they yes. send him down he gets his money so uh, i think cap, it's a i think it's a one way deal cap friendly has him listed as waiver exempt um uh between for uh through the 20th or no wait a minute Remaining uh, seasons one required estimated waivers required beginning 2023, 2024. So yeah, this season he should be, he should be waivers exempt because uh, he's still only 20. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it, it's still basically entry level money. It's a uh, average annual value. Of 23. Just under, just under 900 grand. But if he's sent to the minors, he gets like his in his first contract, his minor salary was 70 grand. So if he was sent down or if he was stayed in the minors, he wasn't making he wasn't making his money. But now if he's sent down to the minors, he makes full salary. Correct. So I'm guessing that means that he's with the team. So he's most likely going to be back up to Jake Allen. Are you sure? Well, what are they going to do? Start him and have Allen as backup? No, I think they might start Allen and keep uh, Montembeau as the backup. Um, Montembeau signed for a million for the next couple of years. Okay. If I'm the Montreal Canadiens, I want Caden Primo getting as many starts as possible. I want him to start like 65 games in the AHL this year, like legitimately 65 games. Well, if they are ranked fifteenth, <laughs> is it fit? Wait a minute, is it fifteenth? I'm not looking at the list. Hold they on. are. They are ranked fifteenth in the East. Um, which so, so they're actually better than Philadelphia. Wow. According to this, uh, uh, according to this write-up. 
The Flyers' fourth worst record in the Latin league, scoring second fewest goal. Yes, I think the coach. I think you're right about the Flyers. I think the coach could certainly have an impact. I think the problem is that they didn't really do anything else except bring in torts. They didn't do a whole. They actually needed to. I thought that the biggest issues with that team last year were health and coaching. They were not a healthy team well, last cer- year. Well, certainly coaching because, <laughs> well, Elaine Vigneault. That's all I have. To, I'm t- two words. That's it. Because you look, you look at the, you look at the roster. You've got Which Kevin is, Hayes. You've got JVR. Yeah. Cam Atkinson. Old, old, old. Uh, no, Far- not really. Farabee, I like. Van Riemsdyk is 33. Atkinson is 33. Hayes is only 30. Um, you've got Travis Konechny. He won a cup. I forget where. Um, Owen Tippett, Bobby Brink, Noah Coates. Um, you've got Morgan Frost. Uh, oh, they brought uh, in Owen Tippett. Okay. And the defense, the defense does need some work. I mean, I don't love it. I don't hate it. Um, Anthony D'Angelo has found a new place to live. Um, is, he, is he related to? Is he related to Tony D'Angelo in um in in, in NXT? <laughs> uh, their second cousins twice removed on both of their parents uh, uh, on both sides. Spectacular. Yes, <laughs> I, I actually ran into uh, ran into Tony D'Angelo. And he explained that to me. Like, it was the first thing he said. He said, Puxage, I, I, I know you know this hockey stuff. I, I'm not a fan, but my my but my boy, my cousin, Anthony D'Angelo. And I said, how are you related to that one? And he told me. Wow, that's our, impressive. Our parents are like double second cousins on both sides. It's the weirdest thing. That is kind of but weird. Wow. They are 100% Italian. Good to know. Like good to know. Yeah, uh, you got Justin Braun there, who is legitimately aging at thirty-five. Um, <sighs> the one good defenseman, in Travis Sanheim. Uh, Travis Sanheim, who you do like, I like. Um, I can't believe that Ristolainen's only twenty-seven. He's another one of those. He, he falls into that category of oh my god, I thought he was older. Oh my god. <laughs> he's played so many games already. Well, he's an he's he's like Bergeron. He's been playing since he's eighteen. I mean, he's got to be he's got he's got six hundred plus games in his career, um, and it would be more if this if these last two or three seasons hadn't been shortened. Mm. Um, plus, he came in and had that uh, was it the 13, 14 season that was lockout shortened. Yes, eight games. Four, yeah. forty-eight games. Yep. Yeah. And. You know, he has the chance to legitimately, if this team can actually pull together under Tortorella, he has the legitimate chance to have his first uh, useful plus-minus season and well, get back over 20 points a, ge- a season. I in, mean, his, in, his, <laughs> in his defense. In his defense. No. no, it's not. In his defense, in his defense however— Buffalo was playing in Buffalo and playing 800 minutes a night. He had nothing but 
a chance to have negative numbers in plus minus. And particularly with new coaches, like every time uh, the wind, every time the wind changed directions, or the Pagulas, you know, season, or the Pagulas, you know, had an itch and they needed to scratch it. Yeah, they didn't like the tie the general manager wore, and so time to fire everyone. Well, they fired they fired the general manager too. They so what's his name is there? If I could think of his name. Um, Adams currently or is yeah Kevin Adams no I think Kevin Adams actually still has a job Kevin Adams and Don Granado are the team of record uh, for the bench and front office uh, for now yes give it five minutes it'll change it's kind of like New England weather uh, their their names are on little paper pieces of paper stuck to the stuck to their doors with a single piece of uh, scotch tape <laughs> It's it's cheaper than scraping it off every time they have to change the names. <laughs> Maybe they'll just start using an extra sketch to put the names in. Cooper Zetch. Wasn't he a Bruins guy? Cooper Zetch was indeed a Boston Bruin prospect for two years, I think. Yeah, well, now he's with Philadelphia. Um, the interesting part of this list, and I know we're finally going to get to it, but the... I know they have the Bruins ranked high, or don't expect. Or they're high, and that's the reason for their Bruins ranking. But go ahead. But it, they're higher, and no, I'm just amazed that they're higher than the Rangers. Okay, I get the Penguins at that seven. I don't understand at all. I get like, the Penguins at seven. I get the Capitals at eight. Ottawa at nine. <laughs> Seven, eight, and nine could be interchanged. I think the auto. I think Ottawa has a chance of making the playoffs. I think goal. I think this article is right. Goaltending for Ottawa is going to be their Achilles heel. Um, they need to shore up the goaltending, but all the youth that team has, and bringing in Claude Giroux, who's going to be a, a nice, a nice centerpiece for them, with all the youth that they have, as long as he can keep up. I think you could slide them easily into seven or eight, and, and say they're a playoff team. I think but, everything after nine is almost interchangeable, except for the Habs being the worst team. Uh, yeah, no, I, I can see that as well. But to have the Rangers, who were clearly better than the Bruins uh, last, last year, season. Regular season and postseason, yep. And to have the Bruins at five ahead of them, yes, great. Krejci is back, I get it. They have Zaka. You know, that was their one big move was to get Pavel Zaka. And if you're going to tell me that's a big move, I'm going to ask you now, to define what a big move is because. Well, it's because he's over six foot two. That's oh, I'm so he's oh, he's physically big then. OK. <laughs> but the potential problems paragraph is your starting Ludicrous. point. Marsh. What? Ludicrous. Marshan, McAvoy, Grizzlick, all missing start of the season. Uh, Pasternak is where's his focus going to be? Because if he doesn't get an extension, uh, is he going to be kind of drifting off into nowhere land? Um, and then if the if the defense core is that thin that Hampus Lindholm getting injured is the the key to whether they're going to do well, how do you rank them fifth? You look at the New York Rangers defense and you see Ke'Andre Miller. You see, oh, wait, 
uh, uh, Norris Trophy winner, Adam Fox, uh, his partner, former Bruin prospect who was traded to them. And his name escapes me right off the bat. Their defense is much more solid. Vesna winning trophy in that in Igor Shesterkin. And I'm not downplaying the Bruins goaltending. I like Linus Olmark. I think I'm the only person that does. No, no, no. I like Olmark. Uh, I was never as high on him as you are, but I like Olmark. But let's jump back to the problem, the big problem, the huge elephantine problem. Bergeron's 37? No. Bergeron doesn't look, did not look any worse last year than he did two years ago. He's five times Selkie winner, and <laughs> until he proves otherwise, he is Mr. Selkie. So there are very few players who I would say just sign them up to an automatically renewing contract until they call it quits. He's one of them. Like, yeah, because he hasn't slowed down. He's probably faster at 37 than he was at 27. He must okay. have tapped into the TB TB12 uh, method or something. Because he legitimately is a faster skater now than he was when he was like 20. Yeah. Um, but here's the here's here's the here's the Death Star uh, bearing in on us. <laughs> 24, 38 per night, 19, 15 per night, 18, 44 per night, all out two months or more. Yep. That's 62 of your hundred uh, of your of your minutes a night. Um, 20, uh, 21 power play points for McAvoy or last year, 27 power play points uh, for uh, for Matt uh, for Marchand. Um, let's see, uh, two game winning goals from from um, Matt Grizzlick. Grizzly. You had six from Marchand, and you had five more from McAvoy. Uh, yes. When you get into when you get into some of the deeper stats, like let's let's just look at the scoring per sixty. Uh, for I mean. Brad Marchand, number one in scoring per 60 for the Boston Bruins last year. Shocking. <laughs> he was number two in goals per 60 for the Boston Bruins last year. Okay. What, what does that mean? That means Bruins are kind of, um, they're going to miss him. You think? They're going to miss him. And the scary thing, like perhaps – the scary uh, stat that no one is going to talk about mm-hmm. is going to downplay. You know who was seventh in goals per 60 for the Boston Bruins last year? Seventh? Seventh. In goals per 60. <laughs> no. Now we're going to, we're going to actually, we'll call it sixth, but uh, because I didn't set a minimum games filter, but the person who ended up number one was only 11 goals and that's Mark, uh, 11 games. And that's Mark McLaughlin, Mark McLaughlin, but the person who was sixth in goals, uh, for 60 was Eric Hall last year. 
Yeah, he's not around. He's um, he's not around. And yes, David Pasternak was number one in goals per sixty. Brad Marchand was number two. Craig Smith somehow finished right behind uh, Jake DeBrusque and uh, and Brad Marchand, and then Patrice Bergeron, who we all know is more assist heavy. Um, yeah, yeah. That's that's a kind of frightening thing. And as far as like PK time, we know those three guys. We know that Marchand and McAvoy play a lot of penalty kill time. They do. Um, let's see. So for McAvoy, uh, McAvoy put up a total of two hundred or one hundred and sixty-eight. Uh, shorthanded minutes last year. Uh, Brad Marchand put up 114. McAvoy also put up 242 uh, power play minutes. Brad Marchand, 238. Um, Grizzly had 103 power play minutes last year. This this is a huge amount of time, a huge amount of time that's missing out of the game. And that's what makes this this number five ranking completely ridiculous. I cannot, cannot, cannot put the Bruins above seventh. I would have a hard time putting them at seventh. The Rangers, as you said, clearly better. Mm-hmm. Clearly better. Pittsburgh. In, in my opinion, I mean, it, it's just a matter of it, it's just a matter of looking at what they have on the for on the ice. Pro, I mean, yes. Do we have to look at and and think that uh, Kreider's fifty goals is is an anomaly? Yeah, I mean, yes. you look at the rest of his look at the rest of his career. He's never shown anything that would clue us into the fact that he's a fifty goal scorer anywhere. So, okay, throw that out the window. But you look at that team. You got Lafreniere, who's coming into year three. If he has the year three bump, that's a that's an increase. You look at – you still got Zavanajad. You still got Kreider. You look at – you got Panarin. You look at that team on forward. They got guys that can put the puck in the net. You look at that defense, young, mobile, fast. Aggressive. Aggressive. But control, like and, they don't take stupid penalties, and can still put the puck in the net. I mean, Jacob Truba is the closest to reckless on that defense, and he still only took 88 penalty minutes last year. Um, I'm sorry, but they, there's no there. I if I'm making this list, I do not put the Bruins ahead of the Rangers, particularly when almost everyone ranks them as a favorite in their division, and. Just no. And the whole thing with putting Tampa Bay as number one, because for the sheer reason that until somebody beats them, I have to put them at number one. Uh, no, you don't. You have to look at what they have and what they don't. Yes, they gave long extensions to Chernak and Sorelli and Sergachev. All good things. Those are good. But you lost McDonough. He's now with the Predators. Stamkos is another year older. Kucherov, another year old. Braden Point is 
yeah physically getting abused i mean he looks good he looks fabulous but he's taking his lumps he looked like he you could see it last year in the playoffs he wasn't himself no you can't just automatically put them at number one just because they made the playoffs and they won stanley cup i don't think they should be considered a favorite for the stanley cup this year Honestly, I think that if you were asking me who my favorite in the East is today, probably the Florida Panthers. Not only did they get flat out embarrassed in their in the in the series they got kicked out in, they got a bona fide superstar, a massive physical presence, and a world class uh, shift disturber, all in one package. Over the summer, they did lose. They did lose a top four defenseman. They did lose Huberdeau, who put who was second in scoring. But yes, they brought in Matthew Kachuk. They still have they still have Anthony Duclair. You still they lost Owen Tippett, but you still have the bulk of that team is still together. And you look at that defense. You look at that. You look at the goaltending tandem. And is Spencer uh, last Spencer name is Spencer Knight? Is he going? Is he going to have another Which down Spencer year? Knight is going to show up. That's the question. But you still pay, you still have the ten million dollar goaltender down there in Bobrovsky. Is ten million dollars like a death sentence for talent for goalies? I think so. Talent and or health, like it just seems to evaporate after like the nine million dollar mark, maybe the eight million dollar mark. Um, more seriously, I though, um, I don't have a problem with clustering the first four teams on this list ahead of Boston Bruins. I don't care what order you put them in. Okay. Has Tampa, Carolina, Toronto, and the Florida Panthers. I don't like Toronto. In the top four. I love Toronto because, yeah, you still have goaltending issues. Yeah, you still have defense issues. I'd swap Toronto with the Rangers. But they're still healthier. They're coming out of – they're supposed to – well, they're heading into camp at least. Yes. With, and With what they hope to be their opening night roster. That's yes, not ca- something. I agree. Um, but Kyle Dubas is an idiot, so – Kyle Dubas is too in love with the numbers. Um, the Rangers. Now, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Washington Capitals. Those teams, I think, and this is where I would put the Bruins. Um, I think you can pull names out of a hat. The Boston Bruins, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the Washington Capitals and rank them seven through nine. Uh, seven, yeah, seven, eight, and nine. Then, roll free for all after that. Why? The Ottawa Senators are young, talented, and hungry. The Detroit Red Wings are young, talented, and hungry. The Buffalo Sabres are young, talented, and hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, the New Jersey Devils, who are way down on this list at 13, Again, you got a lot of young players there. You've got guys, you've added guys who have made the playoffs and won in the playoffs, whether it's a round or two rounds. 
to go with some of those young guys who have never been there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't think it stings for Eric Holla to get punted to New Jersey, it stings. But they lost Pablo Zaka. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you look at the other additions to that team. They added Andre, Andre Pilat. You add Andre Pilat and Eric Pola to Hughes, Hisher, Brat, uh, and then you got Jasper uh, Broquist, um, and then you've got John Marino uh, to go with uh, Severson Graves, uh, Siegenthaler, Smith, Nemec, and Hamilton on the back end. John Marino, away from... Away from the the Perfect. Pittsburgh Penguins, just uh, it, why didn't we get John Marino? Don Sweeney. Oh, okay. I knew there was a two-word answer for it. I just didn't wasn't sure if that was the correct answer. Well, there's there's a seven-word a seven-letter answer, but we don't say that those words during the show, or at least not the four-letter one. Um, <laughs> and. You know, your question again comes down to goaltending here. Can, which which Vitek Vanacek is going to show up? I'm, I'm still wondering what's going to show up. I'm still wondering why they made that move. Do they really not have any belief in Mackenzie Blackwood? Well, Bernier <laughs> is going to be is already on the injured reserve and expected to stay there. Okay. You have to have a backup. Yes, and but who do you, who's the backup? I mean, I don't think they know yet. But you look at the you look at their system, and they've got Nico Dawes, who's twenty one. Yep. And Akira Schmid, who's twenty two, as their prospects. You're not you're not putting a twenty one and a twenty two year old in behind whoever is your number one goaltender if you're not sure that they can shoulder the load. No, and I understand. And I understand that. I mean, I I get why they brought in Vanacek with Bernier starting on IR. I get why they did it. It's, I mean, it's clearly uh, they're not expecting a whole lot out of Bernier at 34. I don't know what his injury issue is. I don't know how long. I don't know how long term his long term his long term IR is. But at 26 and 25, and they're making. I don't want to say fairly close to the same money because it's like $600,000 difference. But you wanted Blackwood to be your number one. Blackwood's been your number one. When he's healthy, he looks really good, except that you have questionable defense in front of him. So he's had to carry the load. You bring in vacation makes you generous. What's that? Vacation makes you generous. (laughs) Is it all that tipping they don't do in Europe? You just feel like a little, uh, I haven't done a whole lot of tipping while I'm there. And yeah. the reason why is because they actually pay their wage staff regular wages instead of 265 an hour and make them live on tips. Uh, but, yeah, and then you bring in Vanacek, who, OK, he played for the Capitals. He looked pretty good in front. In fact, he stole the, do- the job from Samsonov, who was supposed to be the number one, uh, but clearly couldn't hack it. And now you turn around and tell him Blackwood, who you really wanted to be your guy, that we're not sure you're our guy. 
who are going to bring in Vanacek and you're going to have to fight it out. Here's one piece of meat. They're both on a chain and they're going to have to fight for who's going to get the, who's going to get dinner. But that's horrible. You're paying the two of them. Are you really declaring either one a number one? I mean, you could do it. You could do a one A one B thing and just have them alternate games, but then nobody gets into a rhythm. And un- unfortunately, uh, in this situation, goaltending is a rhythm position. You get into a you get into a stream of games where you you get onto a winning streak. You, you get into a, a, a zone, and if you're going to keep alternating them back and forth, none of them they're never going to get into a zone. You have to let them. You have to have a number one. You have to have somebody who believes they're a number one. I don't know that we're. I don't know that we're in a time in the NHL where there are more than even five legitimate number ones. I mean, is Vasilevsky a, a, a number one? Probably yes. I mean, you're not going to sit there and have a one A one B with Brian Elliott. Ooh, no, you're not. You can. I just wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> Neither would I. I mean. Jake Ottinger at this point in Dallas has to be a number one because I don't think they have anybody that can compete with him at this point. And he was, but that's the thing. He took the load. I don't know that there are many goaltenders right right now who can play 55 games and still put up a 918, 920, 925. Call it a 918 or better. Are there how many goaltenders do you think there really are who can play sixty games and hit that nine eighteen level? It's ten. It's it's. I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with yeah not more than a handful because it's kind of like baseball has gone away from pitchers that can throw complete games. Now they're only expected to pitch five six innings and then you go to the bullpen. It's the same thing with goaltenders now. Nobody wants to abuse a goaltender for 60, 65 games anymore. They're going to play a starter or a number one 52 games, and the other one's going to get the remainder, or they're going to split it closer to 50-50. I don't have a problem with it. The only thing is I think that they're – I think the teams are hurting themselves – because you don't allow the goaltender to catch that rhythm. It's a rhythm position. If you watch it, how many times does a shutout lead to another shutout? And then they start calculating how many minutes it's been since somebody scored on them. And yet, you know, they it could be a game and a half or two games or two and a quarter games. It, they get into – it's a mindset. And you have to I kind of let it play out. I think that's in general true of the goaltending position. But I don't think we have many goaltenders at that point of pure athleticism right now because the athletic part of it is still huge. Looking at last year's numbers, mm-hmm. 55 games played. How many goaltenders do you think had a 918 save percentage or better? Three. Two. The number is actually four. Oh, okay. And you will probably not name them even if you try, so I'm just going to give them to you from the bottom up. At a 918, UC Saros. Yeah, he was going to be one of my guesses. At a 919, Tristan Jari. Yeah, you're right. I wouldn't have guessed that one. At a 921, Darcy Kemper. 
I would have guessed him. Yep. Um, and but you know me, I love you know me, I love Darcy Kemper, and the fact that he plays in Washington now it pissing me off. <laughs> and I, I'd say I'd say it's a coin flip on whether you guess number one with a nine twenty two, Jacob Markstrom. You know what? Wouldn't have guessed him only because last year for him was one of those years where he. His career number is what, like a nine fifteen or a nine seventeen or something like that. He actually had better than a career year for him last year in Calgary. His actual he was huge. career number is nine twelve. Oh Wait. wow, okay. I thought it was higher than that. Um, I did too. I I did too, but you have to remember he played on some uh, really bad, really bad, really really bad Vancouver teams. No. Yeah, that and uh, <laughs> that and oh, he was in Florida for a couple of years. <laughs> Shop around for a guy who's still pretty young. Did he play in? He played in Florida. Why? I don't even remember He's that. 32. Wow. Is he really? Three hundred and seventy-eight games into his career. 169 wins. Um, had a solid career, over 10,000. He's crossed the 10,000 minute. No, wait a minute, 10,000 save mark. 20, a uh, little over 21,000 minutes in his career. And here's the now to give credence to your argument. Mm-hmm. Last year was his most minutes in a season, and also his best career number. Yes. Um, His two other 60-game seasons were both a solid 9-12, his career numbers. Um, He's had the other times, depending on his seasons, have varied greatly with both, like, his second uh, second season, the 11-12 season, he had 9-23 in seven games. And then in the 13-14 season, he had an 874 in 12 games. So he's been up and down. Um, but I don't know how many guys are athletic enough to play against the speed of NHL players these days and the speed that pucks move at these days and get to that 60-65 game mark. Um, because what that... That those stats I was mentioning, uh, that 55-game plateau uh, to hit this, not many goaltenders. There's only like a total of 12 goalies who played 55 games wow. uh, in the NHL last year. It seems unbelievable, but the league has just gone away from that. Uh and I, I would venture I would venture to guess that number thirty seven in Winnipeg is one of those guys who played fifty five games unless he was injured. That would be Mr. Hellebach. Um I would have to pull that back up because No, don't yeah, don't go crazy looking for it. I'm just saying that if you think about it, he's I mean name me who the backup is in Winnipeg. Yeah, you're wrong. It was Lauren. It was Lauren Bressois for a short period of time. He's now in Vegas, I think. 
But I mean, it, yeah. played 66 games. He had a nine ten. See, Demko uh, played 64 games. He's an, he, had he a would be. An, he was another one I would. Pen, he's another one I would predict because again, who's the backup? Nine fifteen. I apologize. He's another one because who's the backup? Gibson probably would have been another one, except that I think he was hurt and might not have gotten to fifty five. I mean, only four, only five players played over sixty games. Saros, Hellebuck, Demko, Vasilevsky, Markstrom. Zlikens was one away. Nedeljkovic was one away. Um, that one's a little bit of a surprise. I thought Grice played more than that. I thought they started Grice more than that. In, in, although they may have started Grice and then had to bring Nedeljkovic in, but in Detroit. Talking goaltenders. Yes. Love good goaltending talk. <laughs> um, I was noodling around with uh, stats and stuff because, let's face it, until camp start, there's not a lot going on in hockey. Um, most career wins, someone is in position to make a big change to the all-time record this season. Really? Uh, all-time career wins for goaltenders. Number one, Martin Brodeur, 691. I don't know that anybody's going to get to that number. I I don't know that anyone, again, has the endurance to play that many games. There's so there's I believe there's only three goaltenders who have actually played a thousand NHL games. Yes. Uh, based on this list, there are only a thousand. Only three. Yeah. To cross the thousand mark. That said. And those three for anyone who needs to know immediately. In order of most games to least, Martin Brodeur at 1266, Roberto Luongo at 1044, and the aforementioned Patrick Roy at 1029. Yeah. Now, Patrick Roy is second on the all-time list at 551. Wins. That means that there's an actual active goaltender with the ability to pass him this season even with the reduced number of stars the goaltenders are getting even with the let's face it advancing age of the player we're talking about because of 37 today um, and 38 on November 28th just after U.S. Thanksgiving Marc-Andre Fleury needs 32 wins Moving to second all time, eclipsing Patrick Roy, who many, 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 many people believe is the best goaltender of the last 40 years, possibly of all time. Uh, I still think Brodeur is better. Patrick Roy was had a phenomenal career. Don't get me wrong. If you look at both their numbers, they're both well over 50 percent in win percentage. Uh, and to be quite honest, Mark Andre Fleury, and and there's not a column here for win percentage, but just doing quick math in my head, Mark Andre Fleury actually has a higher win percentage than both of them. Uh, which is shocking, because we saw his early career when he was not good. Oh my goodness! Let in one goal and suddenly there were six. Yes. <laughs> um, I. 
I was genuinely not sure he was going to get to see a fifth season in the NHL watching him, but he's, he's got to be in the top five or six oldest players in the NHL at this point. Um, and with that 32nd win, if he can pick it up this season, he's number two. Yeah. 31 win. And if a memory serves, he did just sign a two year deal with Minnesota. Uh, not a bad place to get 31 to, 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 to get 31 wins. Minnesota is a very solid team. I don't know that they're winning a cup in the next two years. But we're not talking cup. We're just talking enough but wins to move regular into. season wins. Yeah. I can see that. I've you, always been a big fan of Jared Spurgeon. I've always been a fan of uh, Jonas Brodeen. Matt Dumba is someone who is talked about for trades more often than probably anyone in that entire state um, on any in any sport. Um, up front, you've got Kaprizov. You've got Zuccarello for this season and next. Joel Eriksson-Eck, uh, Marcus Foligno, Jordan Greenway, Tyson Yost, Ryan Hartman, Matthew Boldy. Um, who the Bruins really should have swept up while he was an unsigned college student. Interesting on this list and, and completely unrelated, but they have Tuka Rask high, uh, in bold letters, which I be- believe means that he's still active. He, I don't know that he officially retired, retired. Oh, okay. But then again, Carey Price is on this list, too. Yeah, but he's he's still technically active. He's going to be on long-term IR. Um, this is what top. Uh, this is this. Oh, this is the first page. Goaltender records, most wins in a career. Most wins. And Tukarask is of course tied with Craig Anderson. Craig Anderson. Ah, oh, how can you? Uh, oh, Craig Anderson, best bad team goaltender ever. If that dude had been put on a real team, even twice in his career, he probably would have picked up a cup. Yeah. But you look at if you look at the name, you look at the names surrounding Mark Andre Fleury, Brodeur, Rua, Luongo. Luongo hasn't been out long enough, so I don't know it's going to happen. But Belfour, Joseph, Sawchuck, Plant. Uh, one thing that they all have in common is they belong H-O-F. to, yeah, they all have that. They are all allowed to sign their name with HOF at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Mr. Fleury, as much as his earlier uh, foibles in the NHL uh, made him difficult to watch, I think that he's going to be able to sign his name HOF as well. I don't think that's even an argument anymore. Um, in fact, Given that he has that contract and is only 61 games away from crossing the thousand game mark for a goaltender, that's just another, that's literally just another accolade to toss on the heap. I mean, he's going to finish his career with, uh, he should cross the 60,000 point, the 60,000 minute mark. Um, he's at 54, uh, three at this point. If he plays like 60 games each this season and next, um, so around 3,000 minutes apiece, 30, he gets to like 32 and a half each this year and next. 
yeah, he crosses 60,000 minutes played, and there's really few. I think there's only two guys who did that because uh, Luongo stopped at uh, 598. So just to, just like I said, quick random math. Top three, Brodeur, Rua, Fleury. Brodeur win percentage, 54.5. Patrick Waugh was 54.3. Marc-Andre Fleury was higher than both of them at 55.3. Now, this is where certain fans will get catchy on every side if you're looking at the careers of those three goaltenders Brodeur, Roy mm-hmm. and Fleury yeah uh, all of them own cups that's true of the three players yeah which one do you think on an average night contributed the most the second most and the least to the wins throughout their career. Contributed, I guess it's contributed how. I mean, that becomes when subjective. At, it, it it is in some ways subjective, but when you look at the you look at the career of Patrick Roy, he had one of the best save percentages uh, in his era. Mm-hmm. You can't ever really say that about Marc Andre Fleury. True. You look at Martin Brodeur, he had perhaps the world's longest list of nobody backup goaltenders. Like, the big guys who couldn't hold a backup position anywhere else. They just basically had to be good-natured and be able to get into their pads themselves in New Jersey for years. And he would go out there and put up reasonable numbers, making completely ridiculous saves here and there. Um, and diving anytime anyone got within six feet of his crease, drawing penalties, slashing at people because he was occasionally a little bit testy. Um, and as much as I happen to think that Marc Andre Fleury has been very good for the game as far as his personality, the way he's engaged as a professional throughout his career, if you're asking me, Stanley Cup run on and I want a I want to jump into my time machine and grab any one of these three guys at the absolute peak of their career to plop them into a team. I'm not picking Marc Andre Fleury first. Oddly enough, neither am I. Until I saw well, no, I'm still not, but and that's I, and that's my point. The, that's the, the odd point. the, the odd thing is it the odd thing is that he's played the the segments of his career. The Mark Andre Fleury that played for Vegas, I might. The Mark Andre Fleury that played for Pittsburgh, I wouldn't. The Mark Andre Fleury that played for Vegas, I don't know what it is, but he was a completely different goaltender. Um. Number one, they had a much better defense. <laughs> much better defense True. than he saw 
In, well, they did. They didn't have Chris Letang, and you know, in Pittsburgh, <laughs> at least in Pittsburgh, wearing the same jersey. Um, number two, particularly given his age, when he got to, and the miles on the body when he got to Vegas, I think the much lower humidity in Vegas might have been a lot. Might have done his body some good. I think he probably had less baseline body swelling just being in a drier climate. Which, for those people aging a tiny bit and with a lot of wear on the body, makes a difference. Okay. But I think the quality of the defense is really important, too. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, let's face it, you could make a case for a number of years for the Pittsburgh Penguins that the two best defensers on that team were Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin. <laughs> yes, but if you're relying on your two best forwards to also be your best defenseman? You mean like the Bruins have done for the last six or seven, last four or five years? Oh, yes. And yeah, I said that out loud. No, that's fine. I completely agree. I think that that's a problem when your best forward also has to be your best defenseman. I think I think that, yes, having a 200-foot forward, having a, a couple 200-foot forwards, guys that can back check, guys that can get back and play on defense, I think it's a requirement. But when you rely on them to be your best defenseman, that's a problem. Uh, one other argument that makes it easier to talk uh, about Marc-Andre Fleury as a great, but not the greatest. You look at the list of career shutouts. Yep. There's two guys just about lapping the field. Marty Berger with 125 career shutouts. Yeah. And the only other guy above 100 is Terry Sawchuk a guy who played a long time ago. Um, and then a couple of guys I'm not genuinely familiar with. I mean, I've heard the name Glenn Hall at number four with 84, but George Hainsworth has 94. He played for Montreal and Toronto, which is pretty hilarious. Uh, yeah, he probably stopped playing. Uh, he probably stopped breathing before I was four. Uh, given that he was born in uh, 1895. It's not until you get down to 81 and Dominic Hasek that you start talking about goaltenders that are in our... Our error. Yeah, I mean... Okay, Roberto, just, Long, Roberto Longo at 77. And just to, just as a on perspective on how the game has changed, George Hainsworth listed 5 foot 6, 150 what? pounds, and... 84, 85 years after his last game playing, he's still number. He's still in the top three for for shutouts. Yeah, three for shutouts. And guess what? I don't see any active goaltender catching him. Mark Andre Fleury is 14th on the list. Um, if he gets. To the, if he gets one this season, he'll move up to 12 or sole possession of 12. Um, if he can get to like 
if he can get to 76 or more, he'll be tied for 10th with Tony Esposito at Belfour. Eddie Eagle. Um, but as far as active goaltenders on the list for shutouts, next active, the next two active players are Quickie at mm-hmm. 56 and Halak at 52 um, at 23 and 26. Um, Tuka Rask, right. Uh, he's actually tied with Halak. He's tied with Halak, but he played more games. So higher percentage win for Halak, who will probably pick up one or two more if he manages to get signed. Uh, or I think he is signed somewhere. I just don't remember where. I'm actually not sure. But, I mean, uh, some of the names signed. on this list, one oh, of the ones... He's signed to the Rangers, so, yeah, he ought to be able to pick up a shutout or two this year. Oh, that's right. They tra- they they got rid of, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, Georgia. Which they needed to do. I mean, Georgiev is another guy. He's one of those. He, he needs to be a starter somewhere or at least in a different because, unfortunately, he's not going to surpass Shesterkin in New York. I mean, if he did, it would be awesome, but it probably isn't going to happen. Um, but can Halak, can, Halak, can Halak get a couple of shutouts in New York behind that defense? I venture to guess that yeah five games he should be able to get to i'd venture to guess that yeah behind that defense i think he could do it um two more goaltenders to talk about or actually we did mention that jake allen got his extension um and we also talked no they're in talks he didn't get the extension yet they're in talks oh right they're still in talks um which i think is indicative of what i've suspected for a year and that's that we're not ever going to see Carey Price between the pipes full time in the NHL again. I think that there's enough off ice issues, both physical and otherwise, to prevent that. But Ryan Miller. Ryan Miller. Uh, still with Anaheim, or is he out in he's Anaheim? Actually retired. And he's headlining the class heading into. The Hockey Hall of Fame for 2022. Now, there's multiple Hockey Hall of Fames. The U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, yes. This is the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. He's going in. Actually, it, it, it's a decent class that he's going in with because he's going in with the Lamero twins who have won multiple medals in Olympics with U.S. women's hockey. Uh, and I like that they're actually putting both of them in. They, they didn't single them out. They're, you know, they're twin sisters. I like that they're putting both in, uh, along with uh, Steve Cash and Jim Johansson. But Ryan Miller, clearly the headline of the class. I mean, 42 years old, almost 800 NHL games. I mean, this is a guy who got abused by basically the teams that he played for because he played a lot of games got abused by Milan Lucic because well he decided to come out of net and play a puck and sorry people in Buffalo like it or not he came out of the net he's playing the puck it's not like Milan tried to run him he couldn't get out of his way because he stopped skating at least 10 or 12 feet away from him it still cleaned him out though 
well, the mass difference alone was. <laughs> he still cleaned spikes. Ryan Miller out, but yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, it, the numbers that he put up, and if you look at the, I mean, even if you look at the list of, of, of goaltender records, he got games played, and I know I saw him on here. Da, 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 where did I see him? Would he have 800 games, I said? I'm not even on the right page anymore. How does that go? Silly man. But, yeah, silly man am I. But he's, I mean, we're talking about a guy who. Michigan. Uh, 796 regular season games. Um, and I believe it's 44 playoff game, uh, 44 shutouts. 391 wins, 44 shutouts, 46,000 minutes. I mean, 14 save percentage for a guy who started before the full lockout season. In fact, looking at his looking at his career, only the last year of his career did he dip below the 900 mark, which is impressive given how not good Buffalo was for years. Um, and how good Van how good Vancouver wasn't when he was there. Well, that I mean, that's where it comes down to his win percentage is just a shade under a shade under fifty percent. It's forty nine point one. And you know, as far as trophies and stuff go, Hobie Baker Award winner, um, the Baz uh, Memorial Trophy uh, from the AHL, a Vesna Trophy in the NHL. I'm sorry. Does he does he not also have Olympic medals and? Medal. Yep. Uh, so. The Lamoureux twins, as you mentioned, six IA, IIHF world champions and a gold medal. Um. So bravissimo. Um. And then you have a couple of guys I'm less familiar with. Uh, Even uh, Steve Cash, who was a sled hockey, who retired from sled hockey. He's the goaltender. Goaltender, yep. And then uh, Johansson, Jim Johansson, uh, he passed at back in 2018. Um, he was drafted by the Hartford Whalers, suited up for uh, Team USA at two Olympic Games, two World Championships, two IIH, IIHF World Junior Champions. Um, joined you. Uh, USA Hockey in uh, 2000 uh, as an executive. Um, he, he did a lot off the ice to build USA Hockey. I'm sorry. Does that? Am I reading this correctly? Under Johan, teams under Johansson won a combined 64 medals in IAHF competitions. No, you're not reading that wrong. Damn. 64. Damn, 64 medals under his. Yeah, I think the guy deserves a spot. This is a no-brainer. In fact, why didn't he go in the year that he passed? Or the year after? What? That's a question for another time, because I don't know that we have enough show left to actually answer it. We do not. Um, 
the Buffalo Sabres, as I waxed enthusiastic about them a few minutes back, um, <laughs> they signed their top uh, AHL player um, to a contract just a couple of days ago. Uh, J.J. Paterka, born Munich, Germany. Um, he played, as I said, he led the Americs, uh, the Rochester Americans in in scoring last season. Second round pick back in 2020, number 34 overall. There are so many pictures of him with dogs and a goofy smile on the internet. It's dogs and a goofy smile. Okay. Yep. <laughs> like I just clicked around for a few minutes when I first saw the story, and it's nice to see. Like a I mean, it, it's, it's a feel good thing. Just go looking for them. It's it's worth a few minutes of your time. He's five. He's five foot eleven, hundred ninety two pounds. Uh, so decent size. I haven't seen a whole lot of Mister Paterka, but I don't uh, watch the AHL that much. Um, but you six six points in seven games in the twenty IHF World Juniors. 10 points in five games in the same tournament in 2021. Uh, made his professional debut at age 17 with Red Bull München in 2019-20. Had 11 points in 42 contests. It sounds like he's on an upward track. A uh, good idea to get him locked up and get him out on the ice and see what he can do. And get him into the NHL while you have players who got a taste of winning last year, Not didn't make the playoffs, certainly didn't really scare the rest of the division or the rest of the league. But uh, the NHL tweeted out or earlier this year, what's your biggest hockey hot take? Anyone who follows me on Twitter knows the answer. Um, I said that I think the Sabres finished the season with north of 80 points, and... This is this is just going to contribute more. Well, they got. I mean, they, they they've got a youth movement going on there. The trouble is that they haven't done anything over the last ten. They've got the longest drought uh, playoff drought going right now. They've got eleven years since they made the playoffs. In that time, they've had uh, high draft picks. Ten of the last eleven. Uh, They've got Owen Power. You got Paterka now, who's a second round pick. They got a lot of good youthful, good young players in the system. I think that they need to shore up the defense. I think that Uko Pekalukana needs to stay healthy. And I think that he's got the talent to be a number one, but we haven't seen it yet. It's a decent team. I don't expect that they're going to be making the playoffs this season, but I think that they're going to have, if they can stay on the upward track that they're on, I think that it's possible within the next two to three years that they could sneak in as an eight seed or a seven seed. It's going to come down to how well they develop and what the, what management can do in terms of uh, free agents to uh, to fill in the voids on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this team likely has a shot at having one of those six-week magical runs at some point in the season where they just can't lose even when they should. Um, 
and that's not going to be the test for them. The test is going to be when they come back to Earth and have to recover from losing two or three games out of five that they probably should have won. I mean, the oldest forward that they have is Kyle Ocposo at 34. The only other 30-year-old they have as a forward is Jeff Skinner at 30. After that, you're looking at Olofsson at 27, Alex Tuck at 26. You got a couple of 28s in Vinny Hinnestroza and Gergensons. And then it's all youth. Anders Bjork, Tage Thompson at 24, just got himself a huge extension. Desperately wanted the Bruins to draft. Just got himself a huge extension, 7.1 per. For... Till the end of, as you like to say, he. I think it's like a five-year extension, five or six-year extension. Um, Dylan Cousins at 21, Peyton Krebs, Jack Quinn, Rasmus Asplund. The defense, the oldest one on defense is 28, Ilya Labushkin. And then the two goalies that they have listed are Eric Comrie and Craig Anderson. Uko Pekalupin is not even listed. He's down in the minors. So right now you got Craig Anderson and Eric Cumberland. Long-term injured reserve player for them, too. I don't expect to see... I expect that um, the difference in games at most between what Ben Bishop plays this season and what Pat... uh, Harry Price plays this season will be five. Five games. Well, Ben Bishop's probably going to play zero. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Carey Price is probably going to play zero Uh, Yes (laughs) So the difference for me is Zero (laughs) That is pretty good math Thank you Thank you very much I'm not an astrophysicist or anything But the math checks out Okay, good to know I think Buffalo, yeah, I think with the youth movement That they got going on there And like I said, defense You know, And you've got Owen Power You've got um, you got Rasmus Dahlin at, I mean, at 22, and he's already been around for a few years. Uh, Yoki Haru is okay. He's not great. I don't think he. I don't know that he. If he's top four, he's actually number four. Uh, they need to work on that a little, and you've got to do something to help Craig Anderson out. You really have to. I mean, at 41 years old, stop abusing this guy. <laughs> Yeah, but he keeps showing up to the ring. <laughs> yeah, they can't seem to keep him away. <laughs> you put up a sign, um, doorway for everybody except Craig Anderson. He keeps walking through it anyway. Uh. I wanted to talk about an interesting piece from Russian Machine Never Breaks. Um, Hendrix Batier. Okay. Name's familiar to me. He's, a, he's one of their younger prospects. Um, has talked uh, has talked to the t- uh, to Ian Holland about this year doing something a little bit different with his training uh, and having made significant strides in it. Um, in in putting on that muscle, adding that weight. Um, they talked to him, or the, the trainers, some of the other players have talked to him about not overworking, um, not overtraining, and... In his... 
mean, in reading this article, and it was really good, but I, I think that, yeah. I, I think that this is an issue that a lot of players struggle with at times in their career. And it's not just the really young kids. Because I think Brad Marchand did this to himself a couple of years ago. Remember the year you saw the pictures of him looking jacked and like he probably was legitimately over 200 pounds? Yes. Didn't he have all sorts of injuries that year? Stupid little injuries? Just nagging ones, yeah. Yeah, Because it, it was a little bit too much bulk for his body. And he was probably 23, 24 at that point. So he's past the age where your body adjusts to that stuff very well. Um, And I think that I think this is another thing where the NHL needs to actually commit to developing their young their young players and letting their bodies fill out at a sane pace uh, in the AHL or in college or you know, the USHL, wherever they happen to be playing. Um, Because I go back to some players just never thicken up or it takes until they're 20 or 21, and it's not something that they control. You go look at the Nuge. He had like four or five shoulder injuries in those first years of his career. Yeah. Because he was a skinny stick, and there was nothing he could do about it. You could have shot him up with anabolics, HGH, and everything else to pack muscle onto him, and it probably wouldn't have done much good because, you know, you'd cycle through that, he'd be off the stuff for 30 days, and he'd probably have spit uh, the extra weight back off because it I mean, just wasn't natural for his body. Well, having read this, I think Bapierre is right in a sense that he needed to get a little bit bigger, a little bit strong. I mean, he is going up against NHLers here. We're not talking about uh, IHF or, or or the OHL. Or I mean, he needs to be a little bit bigger, a little stronger. But he he says that he tried so hard that he was, you know, he was lifting weights every day. He wanted to get bigger. He wanted to get stronger. Da, da, da. You know, he's pounding the weights. And somebody said to him, "What are you doing?" You 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 need to work. You need to not hit it quite so hard. You need to slow it down. And then he talks about working out with working John out Carlson. with uh, with John Carlson. And if you're gonna follow somebody, I mean, there's a guy who's dominated at his position. And clearly, we both love John Carlson. And he's uh, been while he's do, done it too. And that's that's what I was going. That's actually what I was just going to get to is that. He hasn't missed a whole lot of time, and yet he's in his he's in his 30s now. So if you're going to listen to somebody, he might be a guy worth listening to. Yeah, I, I mean he's 32 years old now. He played 78 of the games last year. Um, he's got most of his most of his seasons are at. Or very, or very, very near the full game total for that year. I mean, 2010-2011, all 82. 2011-12, uh, 82. The shortened season, all 48. 82 games the next season, 82 games the next season. 15-16, yeah, he missed a lot of time that year. Um, but then back up to 72, 82, 80. 
Um, and then 69 in 1920 before the pause. So that's probably all the games. That that was pretty close to all the games for most teams. Yeah, 69, 70 games, somewhere in that neighborhood. 52 out of, what was it, 55? 50, 56 that year. 56 that year. And then 78 out of 82 on a team that was struggling into the playoffs mm-hmm. and needed their best defenseman to be to be healthy and rested. Yeah. 87 games so, for him. So clearly this is a man who knows what it takes to not only be strong and fit, but how to durable. build it and be durable at the same point at the same time. Because, I mean, Carlson's not a huge guy, if I remember correctly. I mean, he's 6'3", and they have him listed over the two, Mark. But oh, do they? Okay. You look at him, and he's he's probably right at what is the semi-official NHL average of 6'1", or 6'2", and like 201, 203 pounds. Um, he's not huge. He's bigger than a good number of guys, but it's not like he's... He's not Milan Lucic. He's not Zdeno Chara. Actually, he's 217. Um, so still, still a reasonable size. But like, he takes care of himself too, and he does it. The, he does it the way that is going to work for his body. He, he, he can't. He clearly listens to his body. Um, and I've been a big fan of John Carlson for years. I think anyone who's not just doesn't understand hockey. I think this. I think. I think this kid's doing it right. He he recognized, and he listened to people who recognized that he was going about it the wrong way, and instead of saying no, I'm going to do it my way. This is how I'm going to do. He listened to these people. He listened to players, Huberto. Latang, who worked out with him in Montreal, and whether you do or don't like Latang, and I'm not a huge fan of Chris Latang, uh, but that's because I don't. I, I think that his style of defense or the fact that he's listed as a defenseman is wrong. Uh, but he's also played a long time, and yes, he's had some injury problems. But he's, I mean, his longevity you can't question. He's been around for a while. And he does play a pretty decent number of minutes uh, and has throughout his career. But he, the thing is that as a youngster, he listened and he paid attention. And instead of just dismissing it outright, he took advantage of that information. And now he's got John Carlson on his team who's helping him. And he's taking advantage of that situation. It, clearly, he's... he's thinking it through and he's not just, I'm going to do it my own way and I'm going to make it. No, he recognized that he needed help. He got help and advice from players who've done it. And he's taking that advice and doing right. So I wish him, I wish him all the luck. I mean, he's in the, he's in the capital system. It'll be interesting to see if he can actually make the club this season and stick. Absolutely. Um, we talked about the Senators earlier a uh, tiny bit, and one of the things that you loved and I love is – I want to run that up, team. They're signing up their youth. They're locking things up before things go pear-shaped on them. They just, they just locked him up. Eight-year deal. Eight years, 66-8. 
I meant a 68, 680 year. Uh, so 835 a year for. I'm I'm good. I'm good with that. Uh, now it's more than it's more than some older players who are still better than he is are making. But you need to keep your core. You need to keep your core in order to progress, and that's something that Ottawa is doing right. Which is why three years from now, you're going to start your seasons this time of the year. You're going to start saying, okay, in the East, it's going to be the Rangers going into the playoffs. It's going to be Tampa struggling in at the with the as their stars age. The Senators are going to toss into a spot. Going to put Carolina into a spot, and probably Florida into a spot, and then you're going to start talking about everyone else. Here's here's my argument for doing it right, and this is why I want to run this team more than any other team in the NHL. I want to run this team. Brady Kachuk, averaging 8.2 million a season. Josh Norris, and, and oh, Brady Kachuk's 22. Josh Norris, 23, just a shade under 8 million a season. Claude Giroux, they're paying him 6.5. Okay, he's 34, but he still can play. Uh, DeBrinket's on his last year of his contract at 6.4. He gets a raise. It's probably going to be somewhere. There's nobody on this roster that is making 10 million or any kind of huge. No one's over 8 million. 8 million. And no one's over 10 million. Thomas Shabbat, 8 million. He's 9.7%. Thomas Shabbat is arguably the best player on the team. This is, you know. And again, as I said before, goaltending is probably their biggest issue. They're going to be ha- they're going to have Cam Talbot as their number one. But at thirty five, you know, he's got one more year left in him, and then what do you do? Or one more year left on his contract, and then what do you do? Do you extend him another year and hope that one of the youngsters comes up? Whatever you can, you can kick that can slightly down the road. But this team is young, and they're just. Money-wise, they're balanced. There's nobody that's overpaid here, as far as I can tell. There's uh, no one making twelve and a quarter percent of the cap. There's no one. You, you haven't have three guys who make up a third of your, well over a third of your cap hit. All, all playing the same position. All playing on the same half of the ice. I mean, I can't pick the Toronto Maple Leafs to win a cup. Right now, I can't. 14.1% to Matthews, and there's only this year and a year left, and another year left on that. Mm-hmm. John Tavares, 13.3%. This year, plus two, and he's 31. Mitch Marner, 13.2%, and this year, plus two. Um, and all three of those guys will be UFAs at the end of their current deals. And then you still have Matt Nylander, uh, William Nylander, rather, he's at 8.4%. Uh, and, you know, he's, he's not overpaid, but it's really hard to fill out the bottom of the roster when you, uh, when you don't have this. And then you look at their defense. I don't think Morgan Riley is worth $7.5 million a year. Nope. And you don't have, have to a bunch of guys who are definitely hockey players. 
By the way, is Evander Kane the biggest deal in the NHL at $5.125 million a year? If he's not, I really want to know who is. <laughs> I'm just looking at I'm looking at the Edmonton and I'm going okay McDavid fifteen percent, Drysaitel ten percent. Um, they do have Darnell Nurse at eleven point two, but at least he plays on the defensive side of the ice. And we saw him play his uh, <clears throat> backside off. Yeah. Well, clearly injured last year, and I think that even while clearly injured, he was making a lot of right decisions and getting to the right spot on the ice a pretty high percentage of the time. And I'm ready to just completely beat anyone their teeth who's talking smack about him on a regular basis. You want to (laughs) criticize something he does in a particular game, particular shift? Sure, I'll listen. But if you start talking about wildly overpaid, bottom-pairing defensemen, just buy him out like you see here and there, no, that's not reality, and you just need better medication. Please see your doctor. <laughs> um, and I said this off. I said it off the air. I will actually repeat it now, despite how shocking it is, and as an admission for me. You picked up a story on the Boston. On BostonGlobe.com from Kevin Alder. KPD. This might actually be the most sensible argument he's written in <laughs> half a decade. Wow. Okay. Pre-show you said a decade, but okay. <laughs> um, because not only does he put the onus for various failures on the players – and the coach, uh, and the former coach, as yep. they deserve it. He points out in pretty plain language, without quite throwing Sweeney, Sweeney and uh, Neely under the bus, that after the top six <clears throat> of this roster uh, for forwards, it's a mess. It's it's a uh, target-rich environment for the young prospects. <clears throat> Now, you're, you're concerned that Fabian Lysel is not the not a third line, fourth line player. And I don't I don't think if you did it. Hold on. If you're looking at the way that third lines were built, go back more than five years previous, certainly through the 70s, 80s and 90s, where that was a grind line. I 110 percent agree with you. Yeah. Someone, if you're looking at having the sort of top nine like the Bruins had when they won the cup in the 2011 season, where all three lines can contribute offensively. Well, uh, that that year, that year, all four lines contributed offensively. Sean Thornton and Campbell and oh goodness, Paye, the Merlot line. Yes. Or actually contributing offensively and not just being the physical shut down the first line at the other team. But that wasn't their primary role. No, which makes it gravy, and that's even better. Yes. But here's the thing. If you've got Lysel playing next to Charlie Coyle okay. on the third line, you're pretty you've got a pretty solid pairing there. 
but now, you're not. Wins, and the crux of this article is who wins out in those in these bottom six jobs. For me, fourth line turns out to be some combination of uh, for the opening game of the season. The fourth line turns out to be Nosek, Wagner, and McLaughlin. I can live with that. Okay. I can live with that. If you're going to try and put Felino in there, I... Uh... Felino, I have an issue with. Um, now, the third line, depending on how many more injuries there are, if the Bruins make any additional moves, mm-hmm. and allowing for the fact that um, that Marchand will be out, yeah. if Lysel <coughs> or Beecher can win themselves that top uh, top line or Bergeron's wing left wing spot for a couple of weeks. No, I think they're in- eight ten weeks. And your third line is if your third line turns out to be Lysel and Coyle. Coyle and Studnika or Steen. I can live with that too. Like Lysel and because Steen has got some Steen's got some jets. Yes. Um, and I think if you pair him with Lysel, you're going to make the opposing defense work their butts off to keep up with them. And given the given the ability of Coyle to protect the puck and get to the right spots to aid the defense, both in defense and in breaking out, I think you've got an effective line. I think you've really got an effective line. And if you're careful to put which defensive pairings you put out behind them, so that you either have um, Carlo or either have Carlo or um, Lindholm. Lindholm on the ice behind them, at least through the first 10 games. Okay. You probably you have a good chance of them solidifying and making themselves a line that the coach doesn't have to think about making game time adjustments for all season long. In all honesty, looking at the Bruins right now as they're con- as they're currently constructed, I think the only line that I have confidence is going to be an actual line in regular season is the second line. I think that Krejci, Hall, and Pasternak well, that, is your is your second line. But here's here's the thing. Pavel Zaka was brought in with yep. all sorts of talk about how he and Pasternak played together internationally. But right, but right now you're going to have to yep. play Zaka in Marshawn's spot. He KPD no. is right. I think I they're going to. You don't no. think so? Okay. You can play Hall in Marshan's spot. Okay. With Bergeron and whoever lay, whoever grabs the right wing spot. Okay. Put Pasta with Krejci and Zaka. 
they didn't bring Zaka in to be a center? I don't know that they brought him in to be the third line center. I don't. I remember seeing multiple reports talking about Pasta and Zaka together. He could still could still go in as third as the three C. Uh, I mean, he's listed as left wing first and then center as a second position. Okay. Um, maybe they go crazy and they put they put him on in Marchand's spot for a couple of weeks with Marchand Bergeron. And they do leave that line, as you suggested, with Paul, Pasta, and Krejci. Well, I think they're trying to make Krejci happy. And if Krejci wants to play with Pasta. Which he does. Like, that's that's the other part of the equation. If you go back probably eight, nine years. Yeah. Um, David Krejci made a statement about really enjoying playing with European players more. Well, at the time, and I don't know, I, I think it's slowly changing, but at the time, European players were more finesse, less physical. There wasn't, the hitting wasn't as big a deal. I think that it's changing in Europe. I think they're getting more of the physical game. And you can blame Finland for, for most of that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> they, tiny little Finland has been bullying most of Central and Eastern and Western Europe uh, for the past seven or eight years by playing an actual physical game along with a skill game, and it's been glorious to watch. Oh, yeah. Which led to them having, like, what? six or something draft picks last year or the whenever like they were like what six or eight finished players in like the first round or something so we could act now just just going off of what i said we could open the season with hall bergeron debrusque as as the first line which i'm not going to complain about mm-hmm. zaka crazy and Pasta as the second line, which okay. I'm I would love for Zaka to be to fulfill his draft position. I really would. I don't see it, or nothing he's done in the NHL convinces me that that's going to happen. Okay. Third line, as I said, um, you've got um, Lysel, Coyle, and Steen. I sell Coil and Steen, okay. And that fourth line you can platoon with Wagner, um, Frederick, Nosek, and you're probably going to rotate Craig Smith in and out of there because I think he's too good to assign permanently to the uh, ninth level, but... Or actually, you might end up with Mark McLaughlin because if you can move, you can move Craig Smith or some combination of Craig Smith and yes, and Nick Foligno. You, you, assuming you can move Smith and Foligno together without bringing anything back or keeping their salaries, keeping any salary, 
you're talking just under seven million in cap space. Yeah, that's not happening. Nobody's going to take them on just to grant the Bruins cap space. They're going to. It, not necessarily just to grant the Bruins cap space. There's going to be injuries, fairly serious injuries, unfortunately, to players between now and opening night. Okay. If you could dump either one of those salaries. I mean, can you convince can you convince Arizona to take them both? Yeah, but you probably have to give up a draft pick or a prospect you don't want to in order to buy it. So you don't want to buy $7 million in cap space by giving up a pick or two. But that's the, the Bruins don't have a second round pick each either of the next two years. And next year is actually supposed to be a pretty deep draft. Um, and that's well, probably what it's going to take to get one of those two or both of those two out of town. I mean, Craig Smith, you might be able to trade for a B prospect. Um, I'm not sure what you could get, if anything, for Polino without him coming out of camp and scoring three goals in the first five games. Which, well, see the thing is, see the thing is, Sweeney hasn't traded away a first round pick for the next three years, and you know he's itching to trade one away. He's Itching to do it. It's, no way I can disagree with you there. It's killing him that he's sitting on these first-round picks. He needs to trade them. He's feeling— you know, his knee makes it difficult for him to walk up to the uh, to the and that's why—or walk up to the podium, and that's, that's what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. I wasn't aware there was an actual reason for it. I just think that he's sitting on yeah. these first-round picks. It's killing him. During the show— <laughs> You probably heard me uh, go silent for 10 seconds. I got a text message in that time from a source close to the team. Really? Yes. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, wow. Okay. That explains a lot. It really does. Source close to the team. Yep. Um, that explains a lot. We're going to have to skip one of the stories until next week. Quite all right. I do have a question, though. Yep. Because when I left, it was still unresolved. But I have to know what happened to our favorite center out of Colorado. You know, I do not remember if he has signed yet. That's just sad. I actually looked it up. You know where he is? And you know who's actually got a better shot at winning the Stanley Cup now? I forgot that he had signed there. Yeah, he's in Calgary with Huberdeau and Mangiapane and my favorite center right wing, Elias Lindholm, who somehow Calgary managed to convince Carolina to trade him. That was a brilliant move by Carolina, by the way. Ooh, dumbass. This team, <laughs> you know, it's You've a long it. shot. It's a long shot. I don't know if it's a long shot. It's not. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd put them in the top five. It's a long shot, but a Calgary, Florida uh, Stanley Cup final. Just, it's like. 
I'll give you the chef's mm-hmm. kiss on that. If it happens, I'll give you the chef's kiss on that one. That'd be that'd be that'd be very interesting. I think Markstrom can pull it off. The defense in front of him is not at all terrible. Valamaki is good. Wegar, they got Tanev, Anderson, Hannafin, good top four. And look at the look at like the depth players on this roster up front who have won. Not to mention Nazim Kadri. You've got Lucic, you've got Blake Coleman, you've got Tyler Tafoli. Who have all come out of winning uh, winning um, teams? Yeah, Trevor Lewis has also been on winning uh, Stanley Cup teams. So, and Lucic actually looked better than he had in several years last season. He did actually. I mean, last few years he's looked like it was getting close to the end, but last year he actually looked decent. Imagine if he gets to the playoffs and they're like the second best team in the play in the West in the second round. He's going to be out of his mind excited. Yep. Literally out of his mind excited. He'll probably be patting people on the back in the hallways in and out of games hard enough that the coaches are going to warn him, please don't break your teammates. <laughs> I still think he can, yes. Um one last yeah. story, one last story, because uh, given all the negativity, I do want to end on something positive. Uh, the Buffalo News uh, at BuffaloNews.com, Lance Lazowski, um, story dated today. He's just got an awesome story up on how much people genuinely like Owen Power and how down to earth the guy is. Six foot six, first first overall pick for the team, one of their four first uh, highest picks um, in 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 team history, and he's hockey obsessed. Like his roommates, uh, his friends, his teammates in college. Uh, every single one of them is talking about how much he loves hockey, how much. Being drafted hasn't changed him. Like, humble, determined are the words that are in the headlines. Um, Go read this story. It will actually make you feel better about professional athletes for a little while. I mean, he's a young kid, just come out of Michigan. Uh, One of the the Michigan five that were drafted last year and, you know, in the first round, big time. But... Really has a good head on his shoulders, and the article is it, – it, it's just a feel-good. It, it, it makes you feel good. It, it changes It changes your, your opinion just a little bit of hockey players and, and players in general. I mean, I think hockey players are usually at least somewhat better behaved than other sports. Um, not always, uh, and I think some of it gets covered up, but um, – or covered up better. Uh, that said, I. Uh, it's enjoyable. It's a fun story. It's it's really cool to see this side, the human side, and still actually want to meet the player. Um, and that, hockey fans, is where we're going to leave you for the week. Um, as always, share the show, talk about it. Throw us some comments. We love to see them. 
and for waiting. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, thank you very much for listening, as always.